Welcome to Notes from the North with Kyle and Sam. Welcome back to Notes from the North, your go-to Minnesota Vikings podcast. Before we get started, we want to offer our thanks to Purple Pain Forums for allowing us to post our podcast there. So if you're looking for an online forum for passionate Vikings fans, feel free to check out purplepainforums.com. We also want to give a shout out to purpleptsd.com for giving us a chance to post our podcast there as well. Be sure to check out the great Vikings coverage over at purpleptsd.com. And Kyle and Sam back here to talk about preseason game two. Uh, I don't know about you, Kyle. That was a pretty poor um, viewing experience. Uh, not yeah. a whole lot of excitement, not a whole lot of insight, at least that I feel like I can take from it. But I think there are maybe some a few things that we can talk about. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, maybe it's because it's the preseason. Maybe it's because there's 27, I think guys that were yeah, missing that's and, right. and, and 27 yep. most of those names if not all of them are quality players so like we were really seeing um the depth players yeah. um, but all in all yeah pretty um lackluster game to watch as a fan i mean i'm gonna embarrass myself here on the podcast um just doing this on the spot but if i'm not mistaken sam and you can correct me 27 you know, that, that's more than 50% of a 50-man roster. Because uh, I think if you times 27 by 2, you're getting 54. So, uh, yeah, I mean, more than 50% of these dudes who you'd really be leaning on, uh, especially when you take into consideration that, you know, all your main specialists are out there as well, right? So, I mean, you're still, you still are relying on Greg Joseph, Andrew DePaula, um, your long snapper, and uh, your kicker, and then obviously the, the punters rotated. But all that to say that those 27 guys are coming from defense and offense. And so obviously that uh, impacts things pretty significantly. And I don't blame the coaching staff for doing it, but uh, I think at times the game was a little bit boring and that's just kind of sometimes part of the nature of preseason football, I think. But I, like Sam was saying, I do think there are you know, a handful of insights we can take away from it. Yeah, no, I, I think so. So I, I don't, I think you've got, got a few, so I want to tee up. I don't want to lead you down a path that you don't want to go down what what maybe is the first insight that you take from that game on on saturday night what's something that stands out to you as something that maybe is worth watching or something that you know right. i i saw this and i think this is something to watch for moving forward well i'll tell you a positive because i think a lot of folks are feeling maybe a little bit i don't know discouraged or just kind of blah about it all but i'll say a positive was the play from some of the young dudes, right? Uh, Caleb Evans looked physical at times. Brian Asaboa looked fast and physical at times. Patrick Jones made a couple more plays. I know McGill isn't one of the young guys, but again, made plays, multiple pressures, one and a half sacks. I mean, you got Dalvin Tomlinson, Harrison Phillips, Armand Watts. Those are your top three defensive tackles. There's probably an opening for a fourth if, uh, if the Vikings want to go that route. And I know that the, you know, maybe technically we're talking about defensive ends because of the whole three, four thing, you know, Dalvin Tomlinson, uh, the biggest dude there is, you know, listed as a defensive end, right. Or one of the biggest dudes there. Right. So I know that maybe technically I'm wrong by saying he's a defensive tackle, but interior defensive lineman, it's possible that they're looking for, uh, you know, kind of a fourth one who can maybe play one technique, three technique. And, um, 
I don't know, McGill's making a pretty good case, right? He's been disruptive. And so even if his role is simply a matter of coming in on certain third downs, right, and uh, trying to be disruptive and be a handful for the center and for the offensive guards, there's value in that, like a lot of value in that. So uh, I was encouraged, I think, by a lot of the defenders and how they played. And then by Ed Donatel's plan, which obviously, you know, is a little bit bent, but don't break at times, but obviously made life challenging for San Francisco. So to me, that's a real positive. Yeah, I, I think that's probably a good place to pull some optimism from, because I think we've said the offense, not really that worried about uh, moving forward. It's the defense that we are, and, and particularly the depth on the defense. That's um, right. That's right. Because like we, we, we've seen, had a front row view to it the last couple of years uh, of what happens when you lose these key guys yeah. and how poor and uh, this, this defense can look. And so I think those, those guys are, are good. I know I've seen Evans um, just kind of create a little bit of a presence on Twitter uh, with the yeah. Vikings community. And right. so I was kind of always right. curious, like, what is this guy going to do on the field? Sure. And he really brought some energy and, and made some big plays. On, on Saturday, did. so that certainly is is a good player to to highlight. Um, yeah, and I mean, they, if memory serves, Sam, they didn't have a fourth round pick, and they traded uh, future draft capital as well as uh, some draft capital from this most recent draft in order to get into the fourth round to choose him. So they clearly think highly of, or at least they they have thought highly of him enough to pick him, and then uh, here they are now in the game playing him, and and he's you know had some really positive moments. So that's encouraging, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. Um, how about anything on the offensive side of the ball? Is there anything that you can take from a positive perspective or maybe maybe you do want to get into areas of concern? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's certainly, uh, I mean, look, I'm trying to be optimistic here, glass half full. Um, the more negative thing, I mean, the 49ers scored 17 points, which is not really that many at all. I mean, if your defense allows 17 points per game, on average, you're thrilled with how your defense played. Um, last year, if I'm not mistaken, the Vikings allowed 25.1. I'm just doing that off memory, but I'm pretty sure that's true. 25.1 um, points per game on average. And I think the reason why it stands out in my mind is because the offense averaged 25 points per game. So it was this near even split, almost perfect balance between the two. And of course, that led to an 8-9 record. Uh, but in any case, the offense uh, did poorly. I think that'd be fair to say. I think everyone's going to focus on the quarterbacks, and that makes sense. But it also may be worth mentioning, you know, the pass catchers had a tough game, dropping multiple balls. I think of Sean Mannion especially. I believe it was Sean Mannion who threw that pass down the seam to Zach Davidson, which would have picked up really good yardage, like chunk yardage, 30, 40 yards, who knows. Um, And it just went right through Davidson's hands. And so it was unfortunate. You feel bad for the young dude, the young tight end, you know, fighting for a roster spot. And it's certainly possible he still makes it, but it's it's discouraging to see him drop that play. And you feel bad for Manion too, because it was a nice play. Um, you know, it certainly would have been the most explosive, exciting play for the Vikings that night. Uh, but more concerning than the drops and, you know, all this stuff from the quarterbacks and the receivers and so on and so forth. Uh, I've been kind of looking at the time of possession discrepancy over these past two games. And so with the Raiders, it was an issue. I mean, the Vikings only had the ball, I think it was 26 minutes flat. Nice nice and even 26 minutes for the Vikings, 34 minutes for the Raiders. 
So that's not very good. But then it got even worse against the 49ers. The 49ers had the ball for 37 minutes and 45 seconds, whereas the Vikings only had it, you know, you can do the mental math, or I can just, you know, 22 minutes, 15 seconds. So 37.45 to 22.15. That's a pretty sizable discrepancy, right? And it suggests that San Francisco kind of dominated the time of possession and dominated, uh, obviously, time on the field, the amount of time that their offense was out there. Uh, so that's discouraging, I think, in a lot of ways. And so you could spin that kind of like we just did and say, well, credit to the defense, right, for bending but not breaking, keeping points off the board, not great circumstances, but doing quite well. And, and, and especially a lot of the young guys and the depth guys doing you know, pretty good. But then it's concerning for the offense. And it suggests that there really wasn't much rhythm. You know, they really struggled to convert on third down. They really struggled to sustain drives. And, you know, they always talk, you know, marrying the run in the pass. Well, if you do that successfully, you know, you're going to find ways to get first downs and stay on the field and so on and so forth. So I would say the time of possession and the discrepancy there is discouraging. I don't think it's reason to panic because it's just the preseason, but I would say it is discouraging. Yeah. I think that makes sense. I I um, think you you highlighted some points of optimism within there. Or I think certainly the one about um, even like the fact that they only got seventeen points. Like there was the the fumble mm-hmm. in the red zone, uh, and they held them to the field goal. Right, um, I forgot about that. Right on the goal line. That's right. And so, like there was some good pieces, but yeah, especially during the third and fourth quarter, I found the second half. Like it felt like San Francisco had the ball basically the entire time. Oh um, man. Like yeah. I know they were, it seemed like they were trying to give uh, Mon the first and the third quarter and Manny in the second and the fourth. But I, like, I don't know how many plays Mon even got in the third quarter. Uh, I know they brought him back out kind of at the end of the game, but um, yeah, like you talked, time of possession is important. I looked at the, the split between the pass plays versus the rush plays uh, mm-hmm. or I mean, Maybe you have the numbers in front of you, but there really did not seem to be much of um, much of a run game established, um, right? And uh, so O'Connell talked, if memory serves, he spoke with that in his, in his post game press conference and saying that you know really you could help the quarterbacks by establishing the run game more, and and that and you know he talked about how much confidence he has in the Vikings running backs, which makes sense, but then he's also talking about how you know we're trying to evaluate who the backup quarterback is going to be, right? And so we don't want to just put guys in to hand the ball off. You don't even want to let them make plays or have the chance to make plays, right? Go out there and throw the ball around. So it's, I, I can see what he's saying in the sense that you're trying to evaluate these dudes, right? And, and beyond just handing the ball off. And so in a normal game, you would do more, I think, to balance those two things and try to allow the run game to get going to make life easier for your quarterbacks. But that's not the only goal here the goal ultimately is evaluation not um you know building the best offense or having the most effective offense in this particular game it's it's more about evaluating the players themselves i would you know because it's preseason yeah no i i again the wins it's always important to want to win but the yeah. at the end of the day preseason doesn't matter um Anything else, I guess, that you want to talk about? Because I've I've got a question with the running backs, but I I don't. It's not necessarily 
uh, important if you if there's anything else you want to highlight from the game? I think the one other thing I would say that kind of stood out, and again, this is kind of similar to the Raiders and 49ers, time of possession issues. You know, again, issues with third down, right? They were two for 11 on third down. Um, just something to monitor. I, again, not, not necessarily reason to panic for the regular season. 27 players, as Sam was saying, that is an awful lot. So don't panic. But again, something to monitor, kind of moving ahead, third down efficiency, because that goes back to this, this issue of possessing the ball, staying on the field, helping your defense, so on and so forth, being able to convert third downs. So I'll, I'll leave that there, Sam. Okay. Okay. Well, maybe I'll quickly ask my run back question. I yeah, think sure. It certainly is early again. I, like I said, there was no one got a whole lot of touches on uh, right. on Saturday night. Yeah. Uh, I know there's been there's there's a lot of action with training camp. Um, yep. And and so they're getting their reps in that way. Um, if you had to guess right now, put money on what the Vikings are going to do. Um, what do you think that they do in terms of how many players they're going to keep at this running back position and right. um, who are those guys? Um, right. And, and if you have a different opinion on what you would do, maybe you can throw that in there too. No. So I think, so my opinion is that, so they came in with two fullbacks and five running backs uh, in the first round of cuts, which took place last Tuesday. We're recording Monday morning, uh, the 22nd of August. So last Tuesday, they uh, cut five players, one of whom was Jake Vargas, who's the second fullback. I certainly didn't expect him to be cut that early, but uh, I did think he'd be cut just simply because CJ Ham has been the fullback here for a little while. And O'Connell's been pretty outspoken about how much he values Ham and thinks that he is a great fit for this offense. So that was expected. And they're going to, they're Ham is a 99 plus percent certainty to make this roster kind of thing. So that's one, one option or one of your running backs, or rather, if, if um, you want to include the fullbacks in the conversation. From there, then you're dealing with Dalvin Cook, Alexander Madison, Kenny Wongwu, Ty Chandler, and uh, Kobach, um, who I believe was one of their undrafted free agents. My sense, my best guess, is that they're going to keep those top four. I mean, Dalvin Cook is going to be here. I believe Alexander Madison is going to be here. I know someone suggested that he'll be cut or traded. I don't believe that's the case. Alexander Madison, and then I think they'll keep both Wong Wu and Chandler, both of whom can be strong special teams contributors. Wong Wu especially is a kickoff returner. Uh, but then both have shown some really nice stuff on offense, right? And I, I mean, Chandler, goodness, he looks powerful and, and, and balanced. Um, I, I'm really encouraged by, by him and, and, and some of the stuff he's done uh, through the preseason. So I think they'll keep those four running backs. And then Kobach... I believe O'Connell specifically highlighted him in his post-game presser and, and uh, spoke about how, you know, they're going to do their best to keep him. And if they can't find a way that it's, you know, very possible that another team around the league will look to scoop him up. Um, so with that being said, I would assume then that the team would try to put him on the practice squad, right? Just because running back is such a physical position. Uh, a couple of your running backs, you're kind of leaning on for special teams it maybe makes some sense to have that fifth running back on your practice squad. You can elevate if there's an injury or two, if you're concerned about, yeah, well, we have this depth, but they're so important to special teams. We're maybe not as confident playing them on offense because you don't want to lose them in the return game or, you know, whatever it is. Um, so that's, that's would be my guess. Ham, those top four running backs, 
and then Kovac going to the practice squad. That would be my best guess as of right now. And that's what you would do too if you were you were in charge. Yeah, I think so. I think so, right? Because it's, it's and again, it's nothing to do with Kovac or his abilities or lack thereof. It's just simply a matter of there's so much depth and talent here, and then they're going to want to keep, you know, play like it, it's a zero sum game, right? So plus one here. You know, keeping Kobach means minus one somewhere else, needing to cut a tight end or a receiver, or whatever, another position where they might feel like um, things aren't quite as secure in terms of the depth and the star power and all that stuff. So it's it's not meant at all to be an indictment on the individual. It's, it's just kind of looking at the reality of the depth of the Vikings running backs. Yeah, I I, I think that's, uh, that's right. One of the things that feels like almost that's most interesting about what this team's going to do is almost just what, like the position breakdown of who, who right. they keep. I just right. thought um, you talk about like, there's certainly is changes because of the, the three, four defense you talk about the offense, you talk about all these receivers. Like there's, there's going to be good players that are cut. Um, right. 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 And so very curious to see. And I, I think the running back is certainly an interesting position. Ballard, I, I certainly have seen the, the Madison, um, trades or, or cuts and, mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and I certainly feel that I can see where that comes from and like you talk about obviously you got Delvin Cook and you've got those other guys who can be dynamic and special teams and so it feels like Madison maybe um, mm-hmm. not that he's redundant but that so you could see the upside of others um, right right but uh, either way they're I, gonna I, have a hard decision yeah I like Madison I, I, I actually think he's a really good running back so I, I don't know. I um, I hope he stays. I hope he stays. And I'll, I'll leave it at that. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, let's wrap up there. We've got one more preseason game, and then September 11th season starts. You got it. Yeah, man. We're uh, gosh, we're getting pretty darn close against the Green Bay Packers. Yeah. yeah. You ever heard of those guys? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah those guys. Um, yeah. I hear they're okay. Can I, can I get a prediction out of you, just to kind of off the cuff? For that game, yeah, Packers Vikings. Here we well, are, August twenty second. When we when we when we did our preseason or our our podcast a few weeks ago about predictions, right? I had them winning. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Because I I was okay. Yeah, yeah. All right, yeah. I, I remember that now. Okay, all right, I'm good with that. And after I Saturday, hope, I hope you're right. I have full confidence. Yeah, <laughs> I bet. I bet that's good. You know, with with all those starters that were there. Yeah, right. No, exactly. Think, uh, exactly. I don't know. Like last season. They lost every single preseason game, and they did not look good. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like right now it was, there feels to be a little bit less, uh, yeah, pessimism because of how many people haven't played, how many exactly. of these guys haven't played. But um, exactly, we'll, we'll see. Uh, very brief wrap up, and we talked about the World Juniors last week. Uh, yep. It's concluded. Canada won. Best team wins again. Um, <laughs> Minnesota Wild prospects yeah. were certainly well. Uh, rep- like the Minnesota prospect pool was well represented. A um, mm-hmm. couple standouts, I think, from from my perspective, uh, Jesper Wallstead, um yeah. was the goalie of the tournament. Looked great. If Sweden could score a goal, uh, they're probably in that uh, in that final game. Um, mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. looked phenomenal. Continues to look like the best goalie from that draft class. Um, and then. Uh, Brock Faber, uh, guy that came over in the trade for Kevin Fiala, uh, was very, very good on that U.S. blue line. 
Mm -hmm. did not let a goal and from what I've been able to see it it's been conflicting reports but it seems like everyone's got the consensus that he was not on the ice for a single goal against at five on five I think he was on the ice for Hmm. the empty net goal um that they were scored against them yeah Um, but uh but very good and I think that they got the first round pick and they got this guy and it feels like um just continues to get more and more buzz around him as time goes on. So, so I think mm-hmm. something to look forward to for, for Minnesota wild fans, but uh, we'll wrap up there. Uh, game this week. I haven't looked ahead of the schedule is against. It's the Broncos, I believe. Was, yeah. And it'll was... be um, Saturday night, this upcoming Saturday night at 8 PM. So, I mean, yeah, 8 PM central time. That is. Okay. Okay. It'll be a late so, one. That was my, uh, I, I thought it was the Broncos, but glad to have that confirmation got that game and then uh and then finally we'll have some regular season talk about so yeah one one final thing I'll, I'll kind of shoehorn in here at the very end uh tomorrow has to be five more cuts and then uh following the broncos game that'll be saturday night and then the tuesday following the broncos game is when you got to get down to 53 okay I was so we're this. we're got about eight or so days monday you know next tuesday not tomorrow but next tuesday you know, you got to be down to 53. So, so things are going to be happening. Wow. That feels fast. <laughs> it does feel fast. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, we'll get a chance to talk about Broncos and then we'll certainly uh, yeah. spend some yeah. time talking about that 53 man roster. Um, exactly. But uh, anyways, that's it for today. Take care, everyone. Thanks for listening. And we'll be back next week.